0: Good morning. Isn't it a beautiful day in the neighborhood? Come on. I thank God I'm alive. People ask me, how you doing? I'm alive? That's all I need right there to give God thanks is the fact that I am still here. And I'm grateful for that. Well, we, we, uh, concluded a message series entitled Blessed to Bless. And throughout that series, we were looking at the fact that God has blessed us so that in turn we could bless others. Today we begin a new series entitled, Double Blessing. But let me share with you what I've shared uh, at Cutler, which is, you know, we, we, we all have our way of pronouncing certain names or words. Am I right? Uh, and sometimes I may say a name or a word and you may think, well, that's not the right pronunciations. Have you ever heard the Brits speak, the, those from England? And you're like, that's not the way you say it, right? Or you've heard the Australians, the way they say a word, and you're like, no, that's not the way you say it, or you spell it, okay? So, And so, and then my, my peeps in the hood have a way of saying things, and then the homies in the radio have a way of saying things, and, and then Pastor Angel has his way of saying things. And if you, you still don't understand, well, then you need to ask the Holy Spirit to give you the gift of interpretation, because that's why he was sent. No, but I can tell you that as I prepare to share with you this message, I, I had to go to the app called iTranslate to learn some of the right pronunciations of the names of the story that I'm going to begin uh, this message with. Again, we are beginning a series entitled Double Blessing. How to get it and how to give it. Let's start with the story. In Greek mythology, there is a legend about a labyrinth that was inescapable. Those who entered the labyrinth never exited. For within that maze meandered the Minotaur, a a fearsome creature that was half man, half bull. Every nine years, the king of Crete demanded that the Athenians send seven boys and seven girls to be sacrificed to the Minotaur. As you might imagine, the Athenians did not take well to this tradition. On the occasion of the third Minotaur games, Theseus, the prince of Athens, volunteered himself as a tribute. When Theseus landed on Crete, uh, the, the daughter of the Cretan king, Princess Ariadne, fell head over ancient hills in love with him. She knew No one who ventured into the labyrinth had ever found their way out, so she devised a crafty plan. Ariadne gave Theseus a sword to slay the minotaur, and more importantly, a ball of thread. Theseus tied one end to the entrance, then he unwound the ball of thread and he meandered through the maze. After successfully slaying the Minotaur, Theseus moonwalked his way out of the labyrinth with the help of Ariadne's thread. Now hold that thought for a moment, because life is a labyrinth. It's full of relational twists and occupational turns, uh, which we did not see coming. We zig through big decisions and we zag through bad decisions. There are situations we get ourselves into that we don't know how to get ourselves out of. And we all encounter some minotaurs along the way. In fact, some of you may work for one. Now, weaving your way through difficult seasons of life can feel like you're lost in a labyrinth. I think addiction feels this way. I think depression feels this way. I think grief feels this way. But I want you to know this morning, there is a way out. But we've got to go all the way back to the beginning to help us find our way forward. What I want to do this morning is a little reverse engineering. Look with me at Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. The Bible tells us in Genesis 1, 26 and 27, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them, male and female. He created them. Now notice it says, and God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Did you notice the plural pronoun? This is a collaboration between Father, Son, and Spirit. A collaboration between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Then the Bible says, so God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. Notice, there is a double emphasis on the image of God because this there is this is double trouble. If you don't understand whose image you are created in, We have a core value as believers. Everyone is invaluable and irreplaceable. That value traces back to this ancient truth, to this fundamental fact. You are the image of the Almighty God. You are the image of Almighty God. Nothing less, nothing else. And let me add this. There are people you don't like. Or is it just me? How do you love people you don't like? People who don't like look like us or people who don't see eye to eye with us. People who are different than us. How do you love them? By remembering they are the image of God. We live in a divisive culture. We live in a divisive time. We cannot forget this fundamental fact. You are the image of God. You may not like someone, but you're you're called to love God's likeness in them. And that has nothing to do with political affiliation or social economic status or racial identity. Everyone is made in the image of God. And I shared with you in the other series, even though because of sin that that image may have been effaced, it is not erased. If you dig deep enough, you will discover that they were not created by accident. They were created by divine purpose and God created them in His image. And eventually if they come to God, they will experience that image coming to the forefront in their lives therefore we must look at others as God intended us to made in His image and likeness in the weight of glory C.S. Lewis says there are no ordinary people he says you have never talked to a mere mortal he says the dullest most uninteresting person you talk to may one day be a creature which if you saw it now you would be strongly tempted To worship. Lewis said, next to the blessed sacrament itself, your neighbor is the holiest object presented to your senses. My neighbor, pastor? Yes. Your neighbor. My neighbor. Now, let's go to verse 28. Notice in Genesis 1, 28, it says, God blessed them. God blessed them. Think about it. We're only 28 verses into the first act or act one. We're still at the hospital. In fact, we're in the delivery room. The umbilical cord hasn't been cut. And what does God do? What is the very first thing God does? Then God blessed them. I'll stop right there mid-sentence. I want you to hear what I'm about to say. Before original sin, there was original blessing. Before original sin, there was original blessing. That sequence is incredibly significant. It alters the way that we relate to God. If we get that sequence wrong, the entire algorithm is off. Why? Because it changes who we see when we look in the mirror. Because if we doubt original blessing, we second guess the goodness of God. And then we relate to God for all the wrong reasons. This series is about rediscovering God's heart toward you. Listen, blessing is God's most ancient instinct. Blessing is God's first and foremost reflex. Blessing is God's default setting. I want you to hear that. The very first thing God does after creating mankind, it says, and God bless them. Right there at the beginning, we discover God's heart to us. His desire for us is to bless us. It is to show us, I am here not to be your enemy. I am here to be your ally and to empower you to live a life that is fulfilling and fruitful. Let it be heard that there is a God in heaven that you don't have to try to earn brownie points with but a God who came from heaven to earth to make the way for you and I to know His blessing in our lives regardless of our past regardless of your pain regardless of the problems you're dealing with God says if you allow me I will bless you that's my heart now we know that God won't bless disobedience He won't bless pride or greed or laziness He loves us too much to do that We've got to position ourselves for blessing. And we'll talk about habits of highly blessed people. But of this, I'm sure, God wants to bless you beyond your ability to ask or imagine. Some of us have a really hard time believing that, and I'll tell you why. If you feel cursed rather than blessed by your family of origin... It can be really hard to conceive of a good God whose deepest desire is to bless us. If that's true, if that's you, I want you to know God has blessings in categories you cannot even conceive of. He can break the curse. He can bestow the blessing. And I'm believing God for both during this series. I need to be honest with you. I need to be forthright with you. I need you to get a hold of this reality. It does not matter to me what your pedigree is. It does not matter to me where you were born at. It does not matter to me who your family name is. What matters to me is if you're willing to look to God, your life can be blessed. I'm telling you from personal experience, it doesn't matter how much deficit you came to Christ with. Jesus Christ is able to break the curse of deficit in your life and add to you that which your heart and soul longs for. Now, let me get theological then we'll get practical. And those two things are not at odds with each other. Spirituality is practicality. Now, I'm gonna get a little theological and I'm gonna sound a little edumacated, I mean educated, okay? Because your pastor is edumac he's educated, okay? In the second century AD, a bishop by the name of Irenus, Irenus was a key player, in resisting heresy and defining orthodoxy. Orthodoxy simply is a big word that means right belief. Now, fun fact. Irenaeus was a bishop of Lyons, but he was originally from Smyrna, one of the seven churches referenced in the book of Revelation. The bishop of Smyrna was Polycarp, and Polycarp was the twelfth martyr in Smyrna. When he was dragged into the Roman Colosseum, he refused to recant his faith in Christ. He said, 86 years have I served him and he has done me no wrong. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? Then Polycarp heard a voice from heaven say, be strong, Polycarp, play the man. Here's the rest of the story. According to church tradition, Polycarp was discipled by the apostle John, who was discipled by Jesus himself. And just as John discipled Polycarp, Irenaeus believed to have been discipled in some form or fashion by his pastor, Polycarp. Irenaeus was discipled by someone who was discipled by someone who was discipled by Jesus himself. So he's a third generation disciple. Are you still with me? You don't need to know that. But I think it's interesting to put into historical context. It was this Irenaeus who first alluded to original sin. Augustine, another church father, expounded the idea of original sin in the 4th century. But in less optimistic, more deterministic fashion. The Protestant reformers, Martin Luther and John Calvin among them, picked up on this idea of original sin, took it to the nth degree, and I think that's when it really overshadowed this idea of original blessing. Please hear me. I don't doubt... Original sin I have children How many parents know That your children have taught you What sin nature looks like Alright there you go But children need To know That they are blessings first And sinners second If they see Themselves as sinners first And blessings second It's a death blow To self-esteem. It's a killer of holy confidence. I don't doubt the sin nature. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But sin is secondary and blessing is primary. Why am I making such a big deal about original blessing? Let me sound again edumacated. In Aristotelian philosophy... Aristotelian. What a word. It's an extension of Aristotle. In Aristotelian philosophy, there is something called a first principle. It's a basic assumption. It's a fundamental, foundational truth. Aristotle said, a first principle is the first basis from which a thing is known. Reasoning from first principle is how you break down complicated problems. How you come up with innovative Solutions. Now, let me double back to the beginning. You've got to tie one end of Ariadne's thread or Ariadne's thread to original blessing. Again, blessing is God's most ancient instinct. That means that blessing is our earliest memory as a human race. The psychologist Alfred Adler is famous for beginning his counseling sessions. Asking new clients the same question. What is your earliest memory? No matter how his patients replied. Adler would respond. And so life is. Adler believed that our earliest memories. Leave a profound imprint on the soul. For better or for worse. It can be difficult to escape their gravitational pull. Now imagine Adler asking Adam that question. Lots of unforgettable moments and memories from roaming the garden to naming the animals to rib surgery, but none of those represent his earliest memory. Adam says to Adler, my first memory is being blessed by God. You see, blessing sets the tone. Blessing sets the table. Blessing establishes the emotional baseline and spiritual treadline of Adam's, earth's exi- entire existence. Yes, sin enters into the equation and alters the algorithm. All of our dysfunction, all of our pain, all of our imperfections come into play, but none of that changes the fact that that. that we are the image of almighty God, that we are blessed by God himself. This is why it's got to be established and cemented in my heart that before there was a curse, there was a blessing. And because of Jesus, no matter how the curse has impacted my life, no matter the proclivities or tendencies or compulsions that have erupted in my life as a result of original sin. Yet, if I turn back to God who originally blessed mankind, he says that because of my son, it doesn't matter how messed up you come to me. It doesn't matter what curse you wear or bear. I will break it and I will establish in you what I originally intended for mankind to experience. <laughs> Woo. Listen, listen. Blessing is our earliest memory. And that's why blessing is our deepest longing. There is a longing within each of us to be blessed, to be celebrated for who we are, to be accepted for who we're not, to be loved with no agenda, no strings attached, no ifs and or buts about it. And I want to be clear today. You are loved as is. You are loved not because of anything you've done or not, done. You are love because of who you are and whose you are. You are the image of Almighty God. You are God's workmanship. You are His poem. You are His work of art. You are the apple of God's eye. I need to make this clear. Child of God, you are a royal priesthood. You are a priest and king unto God. You are washed in the blood of Jesus, set apart for God's purpose. You are holy and righteous. You are a branch. Connected to the true vine. You today are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. I want to be clear today. God has blessed you. Now we are surrounded by people who are so accomplished. They've done more, made more, experienced more than we could ever in 10 lifetimes. But there are also people who are so gifted, so successful and simultaneously so lonely and insecure. There is a deep feeling of insecurity and inadequacy. They would trade everything they've accomplished for their mother's love and father's pride. They never got it and it leaves a gap. It leaves a hole and they would give everything for a simple blessing. This instinct is as old as Esau. Jacob steals the birthright and the blessing. It's one of the saddest scenes in scripture. Found in Genesis twenty-seven thirty-eight. 38. Esau says to his dad, Have you only one blessing, Father? Bless me, even me also, O oh my father. Then the Bible says. And Esau could not control his voice and wept aloud. We're talking about a grown man not able to control his emotions, not able to hold himself from crying. And why? Because he ached for a blessing from his father. My guess is that many of us grew up And never got a blessing. Our family of origin is more of a curse than a blessing. What happens when you don't live from a place of blessing? Genesis chapter 27 and verse 41 says, Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. So many of our emotional issues, greed, lust, anger, pride... They come from a place of woundedness. It's something that only God's blessing can heal. It's something that only God's blessing can make whole. The blessing of God isn't easy to quantify or qualify. It is tangible and intangible, timely and timeless. It is universally offered to everyone But the blessing of God is as unique as your fingerprint. Some blessings are as simple and straightforward as a sunrise. Others are more difficult to discern. Like the blessing of brokenness. But of this I'm certain. The blessings of God is the solution to your biggest problem the answer to your boldest prayer and the fulfillment of your bravest dreams. Now, let me make it personal. I can't not love my kids. I can't not love my kids. It doesn't depend on the day of the week. It doesn't depend on how they're doing. It's not contingent upon their accomplishments and it's not comprised by the mistakes they make. There is nothing that can change my default setting. I love my kids. And here's the amazing thing. The way we love our children as earthly fathers and mothers, doesn't even begin to compare to the God who loves us more than we could ask or imagine. As we've heard already in his letter to the Romans, Paul said it this way, I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor any uh, anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And in his letter to the Corinthians, Paul said, these three remain faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. In other words, love is the first principle. Love is our default setting. Love is our fallback position. I can't not love my kids even more. God can't not love you for God loves you and you say but pastor don't I have to clean up my act before I can become a recipient of his love no because the Bible says but God demonstrates his love toward us in this that even while we were yet sinners Christ died for us even when we were going astray the Lord sought us out and the Lord made the way even before you were a thought in your parents mind and a sparkle in their eye God said that he sent his son to die for you even before the foundation of the world God planned to slay the lamb of God Jesus Christ to let it be known that regardless of the baggage you come to me with regardless of the curse that you may bear or wear regardless of the woundedness of your life caused by your decisions that were not calculated whether or not to please me that does not matter when you come to me God says I will break the curse of your life and I will reinstitute the original blessing that I intended for you Now, let me take a minute to talk about what the blessing is and what the blessing is not first blessing is not good luck blessing is not good luck it's not a good luck charm it's not winning the lottery Some of you like, you you, you serious pastor? Yeah. (laughs) In the words of the notorious B.I.G., more money, more problems, right? See, God doesn't bless us to raise our standard of living. God blesses us to raise our standard of giving. If all we do is raise our standard of living, the blessing can become a curse. Your greatest asset will become your greatest liability. If you don't use it for God's glory, that is a lesson we learn in the parable of the rich young ruler in Luke 18, 18 18-30. Secondly, blessing is not health, wealth, and prosperity. Blessing is not health, wealth, and prosperity. Now these things can be byproducts of God's blessing, but we devalue The blessing of God, when we think of it in material terms. It's not an exotic vacation with hashtag blessed under your Instagram post. Or on Facebook. No. It's not a blessed bumper sticker on an expensive car. So then what is a blessing? It's joy unspeakable. It's peace that passes all understanding. It's the things that you can't put a price tag on. It's knowing that your past mistakes do not define you because your sin is forgiven and forgotten. It's knowing, it's not knowing what your future holds, but who holds your future. And the fact that God is preparing good works in advance for you. Now, let me jump the gun and tell you what the blessing is. Simply put, blessing is right relationship with the God whose image we are created in. It's God with us, God for us, God in us. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. Thirdly, blessing is not zero gravity. Blessing is not zero gravity. What do you mean? In other words, it's not no problems. That's impossible. Jesus said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Listen, everyone walks through the valley of the shadow of death. You will grieve. And the more you love, the more it hurts. You will be mistreated and misunderstood. Life is not fair, but God is. And God is good all the time. His grace is sufficient. Carl Jung made a striking observation about how people are and are not healed. He said all the greatest and most important problems of life are fundamentally insoluble. Well, that's depressing. If there is no solution to the problem, what's the point? But he doesn't stop there. He says, they can never be solved. They can only be outgrown. That is so good and so hard, but so good. For the circumstances you want God to change may be the circumstances God is using to change you. What you perceive to be a curse may turn out to be blessing in disguise because it is a catalyst for spiritual and emotional and relational growth. Sometimes you have to hit bottom in order to bounce. Now, Let me tell you something. One more thing about blessings. The blessings of God will complicate your life. You know what I've discovered in the Word? The reward for good work in the parable of the talents was not an early retirement or extended vacation. The reward for good work was more work. Sin will complicate your life in ways it should not be complicated. Blessing will complicate your life in ways it should be complicated. Several years ago, we decided to start this campus here in Dinuba. And talk about complications from week one when we decided to start another campus here in Dinuba. Complications happened. We had a site, picked out. We were going to meet at the senior center here in Dinuba. We announced our grand opening was going to happen. We got wires in there ready for our sound system only to be told that we needed to get a sound permit. And we needed this permit. We had no clue because you see we come from the county and the county is different than the city. And so, from <laughs> and so that first service that we planned to be our grand opening got complicated. I had to have our some of our ushers and parking attendants had to be out there and say, uh, tell people, "We're not meeting here today. Go to the Dinuba Veterans Memorial Building." And we were fortunate to be able to meet there on the Sunday of our grand opening. And there we told people, "We're not officially opening up yet because we got to go through a process. We got to meet with city council." And then, and and so we had a pre-grand opening service. And then. We got favor there at the Veterans Memorial Building. God blessed us with favor there. And for six years we met there. But it was also complicated. Why? Because for six years we were setting up and tearing down. Every service there on Sundays we would set up and tear down. Would I do it again? You bet I would. Because you see, it's led to growth. It's led to more lives being touched. It's led to more people coming to know the goodness of God in CWC life. You see, the blessing of God will complicate your life. But I'd rather take the complications of walking in God's blessing than the complications from doing my own thing. There's nothing more satisfying. You know why? You know why you need to build relationships with people who aren't like you? Because it will complicate your life. And that's how you grow. You know why you need to go on a mission trip? Because it will complicate your calendar, complicate your budget. It's why you need to plug into a small group Plug into a ministry, it will complicate your life on Sunday mornings and during the week. Those complications are catalysts for growth. Those complications are the byproduct of blessing. Now let me close with this at the end of his earthly life, Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. It was a celebration. It was a celebration of Israel's exodus out of Egypt. It was a sacred celebration, an annual holiday. But there was a plot twist. Jesus redefined what it meant. He took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Then he said to the disciples, This is my body. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, This cup is a new covenant. In my blood they really wouldn't understand what all that meant until 24 hours later that same night jesus was betrayed by one of his disciples for 30 pieces of silver they were probably sanctuary shekels watch this since judas was paid off by the high priest it's not an easy calculation, but in today's currency, those shekels were worth about 72 cents each. Judas betrayed Jesus for as little as $21.60. Translation, Jesus was worth $21.60 to Judas. Flip that coin. Judas was worth the cross to Jesus. That's the value he places on you and me. Even if we sell him out for $21.60, you are worth the cross to Christ. The cross is where the curse broken and through the cross God says I can turn your minus into a plus that's the message of the cross no matter the deficit in which you come to God when you come to the foot of the cross he says the purpose that I sent my son Jesus for was to turn your minus into a plus." I can turn your life around. I can make you right with me. And here's what I've discovered, because I've done a little bit of reading. I've looked into other religions, and you know what other religions present? Is mankind trying to work their way to become right with a deity. But the gospel is different. God doesn't say, up to me work your way up to me no he came down to our neighborhood and he took upon himself our punishment our penalty for our sin and he says here's the exchange you turn to me in faith And I will reconcile you to me and make you right with me through the work that my son accomplished on your behalf. That's the message of the cross. You know why I'm so passionate? You know why I preach the way I do? Because I know it works. I know it works. I know what it is to be messed up. I know what it is to come to God having to explain why I committed so many mistakes and only to discover Him. tell me I don't need to know any of that stuff. I just need to know what will you do about my son Jesus? I will receive him. I'll accept what he came to offer. here's the thing about God when you come to him in faith he says the past is the past this is your day of new life this is your day of new beginning and this is the day you start a life that will never end amen that's the message of the cross father I thank you for Jesus Jesus I thank you for making the way so that we could know your blessing in our lives as I said in Cutler I've betrayed you in my journey here on earth I betrayed you like Judas I denied you like Peter when push came to shove I, rec- I can recall as an adolescent I forsook you like the disciples did when you needed them most I'm guilty as well and yet on the day I came to my senses and recognized I was a sinner in need of a savior and I came to you You fulfilled your word. Your word that you said, he who comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. I thank you that I could come and I didn't have to clean up my act. I came as I was. I came broken. And as I've shared here often, Lord, I needed the blessing from you my heavenly father and you granted it to me you affirmed me by your spirit you restored me and you continue to renew me i thank you i thank you lord hmm. There's some of you today, you need the blessing of God. You ache for it. You ache for it. You long for it. And the Father is here to grant you His blessing. I'm going to ask our prayer team to make their way up. And I'm going to invite those of you that say, Pastor, I know. And I long. I know I need and I long for God's blessing in my life right now. What do I have to do just come just come come Jesus extends that invite come come all you that are thirsty come all you that are hungry and I will satisfy your soul come all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest there's some of you that are worn out but today God is saying to you, I want to bless you with rest in your soul. I want to give you that blessing that no price tag can compare to in giving you. Anything with a price tag can compare in giving you. I want to give you peace that passes all understanding. You need that, you come. Our prayer team is ready to join in agreement with you. God is here to bless you indeed. God is here to bless you. There's some of you today that you need to know healing in your heart, in your soul. Come, come. Don't worry about what anybody else thinks. It's not them whose healing is on the line. It's yours. You come. God is ready to minister to you. There could be somebody here that says, I'm far from God, Pastor. Pastor. And I've been telling myself, once I clean myself up, then I'll come. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. It's not of works. It's not of works. The Bible says it's by grace. You come just like you are. And He'll do the work that needs to be done as you yield to Him. If that's you, you know you need God in your life. You come, come, come right now. But pastor, you don't know the mistakes I've made doesn't matter you come i said it on wednesday night i'll say it again god can give you a miracle in place of your mistake and you're hearing it from somebody that has experienced it in his own life god can give you a miracle in place of your mistake come come